What's up, buds? In along the wall, a puck to the left point, kept in by Orvik, down in front, a shot, and they score! And it's Devontae Smith-Pelly on a save at a left point! DSP save of the day! We're tied at three with 10.08 to go! How about Devontae? The Caps with life here in game five! I'm your host, Adam Stringham, and today I'm happy to be joined by John Press. How you doing, John? I'm pretty good. How are you, Adam? Oh, I'm doing great. We're recording this on the 9th. Uh, the Capitals are coming off of another late uh, collapse where they gave up a goal. How much time was left last night, John? Uh, a couple minutes. Yeah, to uh, kind of snatch defeat from the jaws of at least the jaws of a draw this time rather than the jaws <sighs> of victory. But um Let's talk a little bit about the Caps. What's going right? What's going wrong? Uh, easy thing to start with is goaltending. How do you think Phoenix Copley did last night? Uh, not great. Um, I think he was okay. Um, but that he let that uh, trickler in in the third period, and that was just uh, just a gut punch. Uh, you know, the team blew. You know, I, I tweeted after the game that that that's. Uh, a bad loss and you know obviously but um it really highlighted uh what what the team's biggest issues are right now right because uh you look at the special teams and they largely sucked uh, they did get the kuznetsov goal on the power play but you know they gave up a couple power plays to uh, a, a power play that's ranked even lower than theirs was, you know, in Columbus's. They uh, didn't generate much of anything on their own power play. They did get the one goal. Um, so special teams are a problem. They were a problem in that game. They were a problem in the Edmonton game right before the break. Uh, and they've been a problem for a couple months now, uh, certainly on the power play and the, the penalty kill hasn't been good in a long time either. Uh, so you got special teams and you got goaltending, which I think we'll circle back to, uh, which wasn't great. Uh, it wasn't great against Edmonton. You know, you had, uh, Samsonov coming off that, uh, tremendous relief appearance that he made once Vanacek got hurt against the pens the night before. Uh, and you, you know, it's, kind of typical Samsonov every time you think that maybe this is it, maybe he's going to get on a roll. He uh, just does the exact opposite and you're back to not knowing, not being able to trust this guy uh, in goal. Uh, They had the blown leads that have plagued him all year. They had a two nothing lead last night. They had a three, two lead. Uh, Both of those disappeared. Um, They had, you know, no offensive production whatsoever, uh, really from their top nine forwards at even strength, but, uh, they got, they got their even strength goals from the fourth line. Uh, and part of that, you know, the, the, it coaching decisions to hardly play, uh, the, uh, I guess, nominal third line, you know? So, uh, a lot of the, the problems that you can identify, uh, with this team right now showed up in that Columbus game. And I mean, I guess if there's a, 
uh, a silver lining of sorts to it. It's that these problems are all readily identifiable. I mean, they're right there. There's no mystery to why this team's not winning games and not playing well. And uh, they, those, uh, most of those things were on display in, in that game against Columbus. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned blown leads. The Capitals gave up um, goals in the last five or six minutes to uh, lose in regulation in their last two appearances against Columbus and Edmonton. Uh, granted, both of those games were pretty back and forth. It's, it wasn't quite, you know, get a lead, hold on to it for 20 minutes, and then, then blow it with, with just as time expires. But uh, are you thinking that there's a mentality issue here, or, or, or what are your thoughts specifically about blown leads? Well, and, uh, you know, just to add on to it, these were games at home. Another problem this team's had uh, this year, uh, no home ice advantage. Their their home record stinks. I don't think, I mean, I think they don't have a regulation win yet in calendar year 2022 at home. Uh, I could be wrong about that, but uh, it, whatever it is, their record at home stinks. Uh, so they're not getting it done there and um you know four straight losses in regulation at home is is no way to go through life but you know when whether it's a you know this team has had a lot of lulls in the past around this time of year um these are kind of the dog days and everything this one's a little more prolonged and it's a little more um a, a little more troubling i think um to me, what I would say is uh, I think that what might be getting them right now is, yeah, mental. Uh, and I think that a huge part of that is the goaltending. And I think um, when you're out there playing hard, busting your ass, and then your goalie gives up some shitty goal, uh, that's a backbreaker. You know, that sucks. And it's not all on the goalies. Uh, you know, surprisingly, Actually, I looked at it, and uh, prior to uh, that game, um, the, in the previous uh, eight games, I think they had seven games in which they gave up fewer goals than expected in all situations. So the goaltending, you know, certainly has been problematic. Um, it maybe not as quite as big a problem as uh, as it seems that it is, but it seems that it's a big problem, and. Uh, you know, when you're out there playing in front of that and uh, working on it and then your goalie can't hold the lead and lets something trickle through like Copley did or comes out and gives up three goals in the first five minutes like Samsonov did against Edmonton or, you know, whatever it is, I, I think that I think that wears on you. And uh, so you couple that with a team that has absolutely no confidence in its uh, special teams right now, particularly the power play. Um, and I think that they might be in their own heads a little bit. I think that, uh, that, that the team's not playing with the confidence and swagger uh, that they have at other times, uh, even in this season, but certainly in the, in the past. And uh I, I think that it's taking a toll and maybe it turns around or maybe it doesn't. It's uh, it, it's hard to see it turning around without, I mean, it's hard to see the power play turning around without major changes to it. It's hard to see 
the goaltending situation changing with uh, the guys that they've got here right now. So, you know, does this get better? I don't know. I mean, I don't, I, I don't, I, I think it does. Uh, it just got, has to regress in some ways. Um, but at the same time, you know, and I think we'll get to it later, later on in our discussion, you know, what it bounces back to, you know, is still up for debate. What did you think about the decision to go back to Samsonov after he had faced 45 shots in relief against Pittsburgh? I mean, uh, you know, you talked about how important it is for a team to feel like they can rely on their goaltender. Samsonov, as you said, looked like he was kind of turning things around as we, again, I agreed. We've said it dozens of times about him, but the head coach didn't exactly put his goaltender in a position to succeed there. The, the stats are pretty obvious about putting a goaltender in back to back. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess, uh, but at the same time, you know, NHL goalies can play back to back games. It happens. And the caps with Vanacek out had one, you know, ostensibly NHL goalie on the roster. And so picking that guy, over um, the what seems at this point to be pretty much a career AHL guy, uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily hate it. Uh, it. It's an opportunity for Samsonov to take control of things. And like he has done many times in the past, when handed the opportunity, he just fucks it up. So like, uh, you know, yeah, you you can say maybe Laviolette shouldn't have started him. Maybe he should have talked to his goalie coach. Maybe he should have gotten some feedback from the player. Maybe a, a lot of things. But, you know, there are NHL goalies who can play on back-to-back nights. There are AHL goalies who do it uh, with some frequency. There, You know, it's not... Uh, it's, it's not the biggest ask that's ever been made of a dude. And uh, regardless, he, he came up... Uh, real small in that situation. And uh, it wasn't necessarily all on him. Uh, You know, maybe one of the goals was definitely on him and uh, the team just wasn't ready to play um, in general. But at some time, at some point you need some stops and, you know, you need to figure out whether this guy can be the guy or not. And uh, so far, there's not much indication that he's ready to be that right now. Yeah, that's fair. Um, you talk about the team being ready to play. Um, not to harp too much on the Pittsburgh game, but uh, of kind of all the games that the Capitals have won this year, that one definitely stands out as one that they unfortunately probably didn't deserve to win. I mean, they were hemmed in almost the entirety of the game, um, gave up 47 shots. I mean, just, they were caved in a lot. Granted, Pittsburgh had a ton of power play opportunities. Um, you then said they weren't ready to play the next night against um, Ottawa. Uh, Edmonton. Edmonton, sorry. Excuse me. What are your kind of thoughts on this team being ready to play? Um, what's lacking there? And what can be done to make them a bit more consistent? Well, I mean, I, I think they still lead the league in first goals scored. So say what we want about them being ready to play from the word go. No teams open the game by getting the first goal more often than the caps have. So that's good. Um, you know, I, I'm not 
super worried about their starts uh, in general. Um, obviously, that Edmonton game, it's the last game heading into uh, the All-Star break. You had the OV. OV wasn't available because of the a pop positive for COVID. They had just come off that huge emotional win at Pittsburgh uh, the night before. So, you know, whatever you make excuses for whatever games you want, I guess. But um, I'm not I'm not super worried about um, about their preparedness uh, overall for these games. Um, I, I'm more concerned with this team. I mean, Pittsburgh's a very good team, not to take anything away from them. But, you know, what what is this Caps team? You know, I don't think they're as good as they were early in the season when they were atop the division. I don't think they're as bad as they are. They have been uh, recently. But I, I think if we're being honest, and, you know, I wrote about this a little while ago uh, on the site, maybe two weeks ago, week or two ago, um, the Eastern Conference is absolutely stacked. And uh, you look at the top of the conference and you've got your Carolinas and your Floridas and uh, Tampa and Toronto. Uh, those teams are all terrific. And then you, you, if you step down to Pittsburgh, uh, another good team, uh, maybe the Rangers and Bruins and Caps are in uh, sort of the tier below that. And I mean, the Caps, fortunate for them, the, the Islanders have crapped themselves this year. And so the Caps you know, for all their struggles do appear to be more or less a a lock for the playoffs at this point. Uh, I don't think we have to worry too much about that, but you you certainly have to worry about what happens when they get into the playoffs and they face one of those teams at the top because they're, they're, they, they're getting ready to be curb stomped by any of them. You know, Uh, I, I just, it's hard to see, uh, you you look down the list of goaltenders uh, at the top of the conference, whether it's Freddie Anderson or Bobrovsky or Vasilevsky or uh, Jack Campbell or Tristan Jerry, for that matter, or whoever you've got. Uh, who on the Caps right now, which goalie on the Caps right now is going to outplay those goalies or play them even? Or, you know, And if they play them even, do the Caps have a team with the special teams that they've been showing uh, and the five on five play, which has been pretty good. Um, but do they have a team that can, if the goalies play it even that can beat any of those teams. And uh, realistically, it's hard to say that they, that they do. I mean, obviously anything can happen in a, in a seven game series, but um, you know, that's not a plan for going deep into the playoffs or anything. That's, that's, you know, uh, awfully uh, optimistic and hopeful and, you know, maybe they, they win a series or something, but you know, it, this team is in a, in a spot right now, I think where uh, they have to make a decision, you know, that whether they try to do something big and get uh, markedly better uh, and, uh, put themselves in a position to compete with those other top teams in the conference or whether they sort of, uh, I mean, I don't want to say they just kind of stay, stand pat and, and hold and not move assets for, 
what likely is going to be a pretty quick uh, trip in the playoffs. You know, this team, what's the point of uh, tweaking around the edges and bringing in uh, a different third line right wing or or third pair defenseman or something like that? You know, it's why bother? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of what Greg and I were talking about last week, and it was you and I used to be able to talk about the Caps and say that if they got league average goaltending with the special teams and offensive talent that they have, um, they could go far in the playoffs. You know, all they needed was was average goaltending. And I'm not sure that's the case anymore, Um, especially with kind of the lack of top six scoring that we're seeing consistently right now. I mean, you talked about the Capitals probably not being as good as they were at the beginning of the year. And I think you're right because Alex Ovechkin was the playing the best hockey he's played or the most productive hockey he's played since his 07, 08 season. And he's now on what's got to be getting close to probably his career longest goal drought. Um, certainly he's not laying the lamp with anything close to the regularity over the last 15 games as he was to start the year. I mean, how dependent are the Capitals on Ovechkin's offense and, is there anybody else that they can get it from if, if he's not able to kind of turn it back on? Yeah, I mean, they're too dependent uh, on it, uh, as has often been the story over the past uh, 15, 17 years. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you like what you've seen from Kuznetsov this year for sure. Uh, Tom Wilson, ditto. Um, it would be really great to get Nick Backstrom back up to hundred percent. Uh, he looks to me to be working, still working his way back a little bit. Uh, but even if he does, um, at right now he, he's got like a Connor Sherry on his wing or, uh, you know, somebody of that caliber, it would be great to get, uh, TJ Oshie back. It'd be great to get Anthony Mantha back. Um, and provide a little more of that scoring punch. Uh, Laviolette clearly uh, doesn't have much interest in playing Daniel Sprong or Connor McMichael at any significant minutes. And, uh, you know, to an extent, you can see sort of why when you see uh, either one of them, particularly Sprong, uh, on his half of the ice, uh, you know, play, play the game. But at the same time, um, you know, they're not in a position They're They're sort of in a, a beggars can't be choosers position. And, uh, I think that Sprong and McMichael are still, uh, clear net positive players, even though their defensive, uh, abilities sometimes leave something to be desired. I, I think you can mitigate that. And, uh, for whatever reason, Laviolette doesn't seem to be interested in doing that. And so he's overplaying his fourth line, uh, which, you know, I don't even know why we call it a fourth line anymore, the Dowd line. Uh, And uh, to their credit, Dowd and Hathaway have uh, really been playing well. Um, And, you know, but if, if you're playing three lines on an old injured team, uh, what are we doing here? Like, what are we expecting to be left in the tank come April? You know, Sprong and McMichael are two of your younger, more offensively dynamic players. Uh, let them eat some minutes. Let them play uh, so that Alex Ovechkin maybe, just maybe, do, 
you know, doesn't hit the wall that may, that, you know, he seems to have hit in, in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I haven't done the deep dive on his play over the last two weeks, three weeks or whatever. Uh, but certainly the numbers aren't where they were earlier in the season. And, uh, my suspicion is that, uh, the minutes he's been, he, played earlier in the year when he was carrying the team are starting to add up. I mean, there are a lot of miles on those tires and uh, he's a guy who uh, you watch him on the power play now. And uh, we know the power play absolutely sucks. Um, And, but, but this isn't, you know, it doesn't absolve Ovechkin from his role in that. And uh, you know, to the extent that it's not entirely coaching, uh, and it's not. It, I mean, it's the scheme and the system on the power play is the primary problem with it. But the execution is is, uh, is something as well. And there, a lot of standing around. I mean, Alex Ovechkin stands around an awful lot on the power play uh, these days. And uh, I think that they all need some sort of uh, shot in the arm to, to get uh, rejuvenated because right now the body language, the mojo, whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to look at, uh, it's pretty negative. It's pretty ugly. Yeah. And I, I look, pulled up his game log while we've been talking. It's not been quite as bad as I thought. Uh, he is gone one, two, three, four, five games without a goal. And his only point in the, that five game stretch was an assist against Columbus. So certainly not the kind of, best run of play for Ovechkin. Um, and, and uh, you know, he's going to have to be a big part of turning that around. I mean, you talk about him kind of standing still on the power play. Uh, definitely. He's look, he's kind of always looked that way to me, but that doesn't mean that uh, unfortunately when you got to add a wrinkle into the system, that means if Ovechkin's still going to be out there for the whole two minutes, he's probably gonna have to move his legs a little bit more than he maybe he did in the past. And uh, as you said, that might be asking a lot given all the minutes he's played so far this year. Um, Greg and I talked a lot about the power play, but do you want to elaborate a little bit kind of on the system itself and whether you think why that might be failing or I'm not really sure how much you want to talk about it or what thoughts you have kind of more specifically. No, I mean, it, it, it's uh, obviously it's stale. Obviously uh, everyone knows what they're trying to do every time out there. Um, and the, the result is, is what you've got. And, uh, Travis Yost, uh, I don't know if you saw it the other day, he did a really, uh, interesting, uh, look at the, the best power plays in the league and, uh, what they're doing. And, uh, it, there's a handful of power plays that seem to have figured it out. And you look at their heat maps where they're shooting from, um, on those power plays and they are getting, uh, tons of chances, uh, inside scoring areas. And they're doing it at largely, uh, with, with lateral passes, with movement, um, get the goalie moving side to side, uh, quick passing and shifting and moving your players around. And, uh, Caps really aren't doing any of that. They are, uh, you know, they they are getting nothing from the interior, and that's typically T.J. Oshie's T.J. Oshie's spot on the power play. 
uh, and Tom Wilson's not TJ Oshie, but um, they're not getting the shots there. And, you know, it's one thing for Wilson not to convert at Oshie's rate or whatever, but uh, they're not even getting the the looks. They're not getting the shots uh, there. They're not working the puck down low. And they've, they've missed Nick Backstrom quite a bit this year, and that's forced – uh, Kuznetsov onto the half wall and guys like Sherry or Eller uh, down to that bumper spot to feed the um, guy in the middle. And those guys aren't, they're just not skilled enough to make those decisions and make those pinpoint passes. And so the result is everything gets pushed to the outside. There's no movement. And uh, it's just, it's just not, um, not effective right now. And, you know, they have trouble entering the zone. They have trouble once they're there. And, uh, frankly, it's, it's been a long, steady decline. Uh, they have kind of fallen off the cliff in over the past few months. Um, but it, it it needs to be changed because, you know, to me, there's enough talent out there that um, that it should be more effective than it is. I mean, you could probably put five Hershey Bears skaters out there uh, in a good system and be more effective than the Caps system is right now. And, you know, I've got a piece. It, it's a, kind of a secondary concern or, you know, maybe it's a, your primary concern. I, I'm not here to to judge uh, I got a piece coming coming up on the on the site uh, on Thursday about just trying to quantify sort of how many goals and how many points Alexander Ovechkin is losing by uh, this power play being crappy and you know every goal is gonna matter for this guy as he's trying to chase down 99 and right now he's he's probably down four or five goals maybe six goals over where he would be at this point in the year on a good power play. And, you know, the longer they keep going with this shitty power play, uh, the more it's going to hinder uh, Ovechkin as he tries to to go for that record. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you're keeping in sight the real goal. Um, <laughs> someone's got hey. to. Um, I mean, I, I do remember when Ted Leonza said that when Backstrom was getting his new contract, Backstrom outlined what Ovechkin had to do to to, to beat uh, Gretzky's record. So if it's Backstrom's focus, I'm I'm happy it's your focus as well. Um, yeah. Talking a little bit more about individual efforts, and you already touched on it briefly, but Evgeny Kuznetsov um, was a guy that took a lot of flack from, I mean, smart, a lot of smart people, um, and and rightfully so for kind of how he had played. Um, the couple years after the Caps run, in addition to all of his off-ice issues. This year, he kind of seems like a man um, just kind of having fun again. and, and uh, But not just having fun, but also committed to his craft. Uh, he's never going to be who got a guy who's going to, um, you know, stay 10 hours after practice and in the weight room. But he's a guy that, that when he's on, he's he's a world beater. And uh, we've seen, certainly seen that with Kuznetsov this season. What what are your general thoughts on his play? Kind of most importantly, I mean, what is, what is I mean, where are the Capitals without him this year? Yeah, I mean, he's been very good this year, um, generally, and uh, without him, they're they're probably you know 
fighting with the Islanders for that last playoff spot. Maybe, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're, they're in big trouble without him. He's, he's been very good. He sort of seems to have like regained that spark. Uh, and he is, uh, to me, maybe the most interesting guy on the ice, uh, in a lot of the games that he, that he plays, uh, you know, he's, uh, creative and his, uh, sort of wizardry and his spark and enthusiasm and uh are are really are fun to watch and they're interesting on a team that's not necessarily full of uh fun and interesting uh (laughs) players and fun and interesting systems uh so yeah i mean god bless koozie for turning it around let's hope it keeps going uh in in this direction and uh hopefully you know with nick backstrom rounding into form they they're they're back to what they what they thought they had in their top two centers uh because they're certainly paying them a shitload of money uh and they need to be very very good uh for this team to do anything at any point what do you think about um I mean, you mentioned top two centers, but obviously when the Capitals were most successful, um, whether that be during their President's Trophy runs or during their Stanley Cup run, Lars Eller was a productive member of that team. Obviously scored a lot of big goals. Um, He's getting older now. I mean, Lars is no longer kind of a young guy. And at 32 years of age, do you feel like he's slowing down? Or or what are we looking at here? He's got 21 points through 41 games. hasn't quite looked like the guy that, that I think of when I think of Lars Eller. Uh, damn it string. Like I don't, I don't want to say anything bad about Lars Eller ever, <laughs> ever. So I'm going to not. And okay. we can next question. All right. We, we will just assume that is an answer in and on itself. Um, other guy we could talk about one without any emotional attachment, or at least I don't have any emotional attachment to Justin Schultz. Um, he's a guy that I, I just don't really know what the capitals are getting from him. I mean, he seems like the kind of guy that that's been vaunted for this offensive upside. I'm not sure. I really see that. I don't really see him. Do, basically I'm not noticing him a lot to be, to be honest. Yeah. And I, I guess that's okay. Usually from a defenseman, but I feel like the capitals kind of expected him to, to kind of do what Kempany did during the cup run, right? He was supposed to be another guy who could move the puck well. Um, and I'm not sure he's doing that. Any thoughts on Schultz? Yeah, I think they, they expected even more than that. I think that uh, they thought they were getting a guy who could um, be a, a big uh, puck mover for them. They're certainly paying him enough. They're, uh, he's over $4 million. I, I think you're, you're sort of right on uh, that he is uh, – one of the least interesting guys on the team. Like he does kind of nothing. And, uh, you know, I don't see him out there, uh, being terrible too often, although, you know, a fair amount, but, uh, he's not really contributing what you would want for that salary. So, uh, I certainly think that as this team looks towards, uh, the trade deadline and towards getting Mantha back, uh, that would be a salary that I would look to possibly, um, 
be moving, uh, moving on from, because I don't think they're getting, uh, value from him, uh, that they'd like to see from that guy. And, you know, they've got their top four, uh, they've got, you know, Carlson and Faravari have been solid enough. Um, and then Orlov and Jensen have been, uh, really terrific at times. I mean, that, that they've, if you want to look at the two most underrated guys on the entire team, it's probably those two dudes Uh, and and playing in a pair together. They've been uh, terrific. So, uh, you know, they've got those top four and uh, I'm a big fan of TVR as a defensive defenseman on the cheap uh, in that third pair. Uh, Schultz does nothing. I mean, $4 million for a third pair guy who, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what he's doing out, out there for that money. So that is the dude that I would definitely be looking to uh, to move on from. And a guy who I don't think has uh, lived up to what they uh, probably expected from him. Now, obviously, people would have said the same thing about Nick Jensen probably about a year ago. What about their two games made you think that Jensen could turn it around, but a guy like Schultz probably is what he is? Oh, and that's a good question that, you know, I think that, um, you know, the reality, first of all, I mean, they were paying Jensen a lot less. Um, so, uh, it, it's less of an investment, less of a, a worry if it doesn't work out, but, uh, you know, in reality, they, they've, um, they've got, uh, you know, sometimes you hit and sometimes you miss. And, uh, you know, Jensen's, uh, to me, maybe uh, initially they they thought they had uh, something better. That I, th- I think they thought they had Matt Niskanen's replacement uh, in the second pair, right-handed defenseman. Um, and uh, it t- just took them a lo- little longer to get there, I think. Uh, maybe things were backed up, uh, in terms of the lineup with when Brendan Dillon was here and, you know, Orlov, uh, Dillon and the lot, they just weren't really willing to give him that chance, but he's, uh, he's had a great year. He's certainly outperformed, uh, his, his contract. I mean, he's a guy making two and a half million dollars and, um, you know, it, probably the third best def- defenseman on the team. And that's if, uh, you know, if you like John Carlson, I know some <laughs> people, I, I know some people don't. Um, uh, but, you know, in terms of, you know, market value or something like that, Carlson's value, I think is pretty uh, indisputable, but um, I, I really do like uh, what Nick Jensen brings to that back line. Um not so much with Justin Schultz. Yeah, that, that's where I am as well. Uh, last defenseman I want to touch on. I know, I know we're at about 34 minutes. I don't know how long you want to go, but it's that's been a while. Fine. Yeah, it's been a while since so we've got to go into it. Uh, Martin Faravari, guy that I loved how he started the year. He's a guy that Caps fans have been waiting to see, which is a weird thing to say about a guy who does not play a sexy brand of hockey. Um, but, you know, he was expected to be another, like, really just solid guy. Maybe a bit like Dmitry Orlov um, kind of was before he started moving the puck better. Um, I think Ferrari had a great start to his season. I feel like he's not playing at the same level he did at the start of the year. What are your kind of thoughts on his recent play? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you on that. I, I 
I think he was surprisingly good yeah. uh, early on, especially uh, playing alongside Carlson, which we've seen some guys struggle with. Uh, some decent defensemen struggle there and some not decent defensemen struggle there as well. But, uh, you know, I think he, he really settled uh, in well in that um, pair. And he's, uh, I do think he's, dropped off a bit. Uh, I don't know how much of that is a 22 year old, um, playing in his first full NHL season, uh, hitting a little bit of a wall and how much of that is a regression to his actual play. I think he's, I think he's a very good defenseman, uh, with a bright future. Um, but I would agree that, uh, you know, he, maybe he needs to, to take a minute and refocus and uh, get back to playing the way he was earlier. But you know, that, that goes for a lot of guys on this team. So I'm certainly not picking on Martin Farivari here. For sure. Um, you already touched on this a little bit, bit and I don't want to beat a dead horse, but Connor McMichael's ice time, obviously concerning. Uh, he's a guy who's was kind of touted as the cop, best capitals prospect since Jacob Vrana, uh, at least on the offensive side of the puck. Um, what, where did it go wrong for him? I mean, he's a guy, uh, I mean, he, he's getting the Tom Wilson treatment, but he doesn't bring what Tom Wilson used to bring in the, in the bottom six. I mean, what can McMichael do to either get himself back in the good graces or what can he do so wrong that he can at least go somewhere where he can actually play some minutes? Well, I mean, I don't know that it went, that it went wrong anywhere. I think that, uh, as is often the case with young players, uh, you make a couple bad glaringly bad defensive plays and the coach remembers them forever. And, uh, it takes a while to earn back some of that trust. You know, I, I know people want to say that Laviolette won't play, uh, rookies won't play kids. Uh, he's just, you know, one of these old fuddy daddy coaches or whatever. Uh, I guess that they're ignoring the fact that he has a rookie, a 22 year old in his top, defensive pair and getting, you know, first pair of minutes. So, uh, I think I, I would, uh, suggest people take things on a case by case basis and look at things a little more closely. Um, I think that, uh, Laviolette trusts that Dowd line a lot and, uh, for whatever reason, and, uh, essentially thinks they're not going to fuck something up, uh, if they're out there. So, you know, they can take defensive responsibility. They can take defensive zone draws. They can take offensive uh, responsibilities and do, do some things offensively. Like, uh, you know, uh, Hathaway and Dowd have probably contributed in terms of points per minute. That They've got to be towards the top of fourth liners, you know, oh, you know, not sure. nominal fourth liners. Those guys have been uh, – and then there's another guy on the line or whatever. But then, you know, with uh, McMichael, I, I, I think I think LaViolette likes to sort of see how games are going and how guys are playing. And I don't I don't know. I, I wish I had an exp- a better explanation for it. Um, I, I don't. I really uh I, I don't get it. They seem to they they say that they're happy with his development. They want to bring him along uh, at the appropriate pace. Laviolette has had success bringing along guy young guys in Nashville. Uh, 
uh, forget the name of the guy in Nashville. F- uh, Forsberg. <laughs> uh, that, that could be it. Um, it, it maybe some other guys uh, as well. But, um, you know, I'm not really worried about McMichael's development being stunted or, you know, any, any of that stuff. He's still with this team. He's still practicing. He's still getting minutes with this team. Uh, I do think he should be probably uh, getting some more minutes and playing uh, scenes a, a little more ice time and be put in positions where he can succeed. You know, if you're going to, maybe it's uh, putting your bad eggs in one basket by putting uh, McMichael and Sprong on the same line makes it easier to bench that line entirely when you, you shorten the bench or whatever. But, you know, why not play McMichael uh, up with Backstrom? Uh, maybe with Backstrom and Sherry or something. Uh you know, give him a chance to to succeed. Give him a chance to do something. Yeah, and and, and if our listeners are, are not aware that this is a thing that happens with all coaches, uh, looking at a piece from from JP from December nineteenth, twenty fourteen, titled "The Play That Doomed Andre Burakovsky." So <laughs> there was a it's a long stretch where a guy can feel like he's doing a lot, being productive, and for one reason or another, uh, coach won't be happy with what he's doing and. Uh, the hope certainly has to be for McMichael that he can turn it around. I mean, it is interesting that the Capitals' two best cost-controlled offensive weapons are the two that just cannot buy minutes right now. I mean, McMichael and Sprong, both on RFA deals, both getting under a million dollars and not getting a lot of time over the boards. And in Sprong's case, I mean, the guy's got eight goals in very few minutes, so um, good for him. Uh, John, Talk about goaltending. We've already talked about it. Talked about how it's failed. We said for it to get better, the Capitals have to make a splash, right? I mean, they don't need replacement-level goaltending. Um, you know, I, I think there are interesting middle-of-the-pack, like, league-average save percentage goaltenders out there. And then, of course, there's one who has the potential to steal games in Marc-Andre Fleury, who... Sounds like he might not even want to come to the castle. Putting that aside, I mean, is there an option in net besides Flurry? Or I mean, if you're the Caps, is it Flurry, or you got to stand with what you got? Yeah, you know, uh, I I think I think you go big or go home uh, for sure here because, like, you know, everybody's romanticizes the notion of bringing Braden Holtby back. Um, it, I'm not confident that Braden Holtby is definitely better than the two guys they have here. Um, you know, he's, he's had a, a nice season, um, but that followed some uh, not nice seasons, including the end of his time here. He wasn't uh, great. Um, you know, it, so, you know, I, I don't know that that move would uh necessarily move the needle on this team uh i guess with with a guy like flurry it would come down to uh cost and like what they see as the cost and and you know to be clear flurry hasn't been a vesna guy this year um he's granted he's playing on a, a pretty crappy team but um you know i i don't know that he's I don't know how much he's got left in the tank and uh, how great he is right now, but you know, th- there are um, 
there might be other guys out there. You know, I I I don't think that uh, I think they should take a look at Varlamov, uh, bringing yeah. him back. Uh, I think that's a guy. He's got uh, another year left after this year when, you know, there's no reason to think that Caps won't be in the same exact position next year, I think. So, uh, you know, a guy with having two two years may not be the worst um, the worst idea. Uh, so, I mean, they're definitely guys. Uh, it, it just, it depends how, how big they want to go. And I think that... It, if you're going to make a move, you probably want to go big because uh, it's obviously a uh, notoriously wonky uh, position. And uh, you never know when you're going to get a crystal ball UA and you never know when you're going to get, um, you know, whatever, Hol- whatever yeah. Halak was when he was here. So, right. So, yeah. uh, so it, it's hard to say. Um, it's, it's hard to say. I, I don't know what, the, what options are available if they could, uh, get a, a great goaltender. Um, because that seems to be, it, it's hard to win w- without a, a, a good goaltender. Um, especially, uh, come postseason time, and it's it's like having a good quarterback in the NFL, you know, and uh, it's it's awfully hard to win in the NFL. And if the Caps are going into uh, into the Eastern Conference playoffs with uh, go with the goalies that are in the Eastern Conference, they're you know all right up there at the top, uh, most of them right up at the top uh, in anybody's you know midseason Vesna balloting or or whatever. Um, you know, going in against those guys with, uh, the goalies they've got is like, you know, probably like going into the AFC playoffs where you've got like Mahomes and Burroughs and Josh Allen and even, you know, Josh Herbert and all those guys and going in to those playoffs with just some average Joe, it's just not gonna, not gonna end well for you. This team isn't good enough everywhere else to be to get by on mediocre goaltending and you know like you've said at times in the past they have been and uh you know maybe case in point 2018 that that team certainly didn't have great goaltending going into the playoffs um but they were a good team and they played well and uh there are other times when this team was good enough everywhere else to win if they got, uh, you know, mediocre goaltending and, you know, often they didn't get that. So, um, you know, to me, they, uh, this team isn't good enough to do anything, uh, significant without, uh, a, a fairly meaningful upgrade in goal the only question is whether they're interested in doing it yeah um last thing you know what's crazy is that the capitals were 29.3 percent on the power play in the playoffs uh the year they won the stanley cup which i did not remember it being that good i remember some big power play goals but i did not remember them scoring on almost one out of every three opportunities which is just pretty good pretty damn good um 
I guess that's what Edmonton did in the regular season last year too. So that's pretty, pretty crazy yeah. as well. Uh, John, we talked for about 45 minutes. I've asked you every question that's at the top of my mind. What did I miss? What else do you want to touch on? Uh, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, it, it's, this team is in a spot, right? They're, they're, uh, clearly not going to throw in the towel and rebuild. They're, they're not going to do that while the big guys here. And, um, but at the same time, you know, how many assets do you push in, in an absolutely stacked con conference when your team, uh, you know, isn't at that, at the level that some of those other teams are, um, it's a tough decision. Uh, you know, they've, they've got to do something, uh, what they're doing now isn't working, but at the same time, like, uh, it's hard to really, um, think about, uh, what that would look like and what that would mean, you know, especially with the cap constraints they're under. So, you know, I don't envy uh, Brian McClellan over these next, uh, this next month or whatever until the trade deadline. Uh, There's some real tough decisions to make, not only about the short term of this team, but uh, the longer term, which uh, to be completely honest, I'm a a little less concerned about. Um, I think that you take your, chances when you can take your chances and and go for it when you can but uh man it's going to take a lot for this team to look like a team that can come out of the eastern conference and uh maybe those moves are out there maybe it's time to go all in uh maybe it's time to kind of stand pat and regroup i don't know what do you think (laughs) I think it's time to you got to keep a little some stuff in the uh, cupboard because you need people to be making sure Ovechkin can get the puck uh, with an empty net here over the next few years. You know, you got to yeah. one, one team, one goal. Legs feed the wolf, as Barry Trotz like to say. And, uh, <laughs> they need some fresh legs to do that. So, yeah, um, you know, the Capitals have traded away a lot of draft picks over the years and, and they got what mattered for it. They got their Stanley yeah. Cup. Um, they've no got complaints. The, Exactly right. Greatest goal scorer of all time. Um, so, I, I, I mean, unless there's a real shot, I, I wouldn't make a move unless it made me think the Capitals could win at least yep. two rounds, I think. Uh, on a, Anything after the second round, you know, then you, anybody can win it. But uh, this is a team that hasn't won a playoff series since they won the Stanley Cup. I know I certainly would like to see that happen again before Ovechkin leaves the Caps. And uh, it, I, I unfortunately do think it will just continue to get harder um, over these next few seasons. So, um, yeah. But, you know, either way, banner will still fly, right? Right, JP? Forever. Forever, Forever. and ever. Amen. Yeah. Um, my math might be wrong on this because I did it in Microsoft Calculator. And I could not find save percentage in the playoffs in 2018, but I have that the Capitals had a save percentage of 9.12 in the 2018 postseason, which is certainly not much better than league average. So, no, um, your your point about them definitely now brings back to that conversation about Samsonov and Vanacek. Though there were certainly some key timely saves that made up that average number. And these numbers again, I mean, this includes 
Grubauer in the first two games where his save percentage was God knows how awful. So, uh, right. But I mean, if you even just look at, uh, I mean, if you look at the, 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 uh, that number, if, if that is the number, if it's, uh, nine, 12, uh, which, which of the caps goalies right now has a nine, 12 save percentage. Uh, Vanacek's nine fifteen, right? So and Samsonov with that cool and collected nine oh two. So yeah, Samsonov's not even remotely close to that. And uh, Vanacek, uh, yeah, to his credit, I mean, I, I does, is is Vitek Vanacek the guy you want to go to war with in the playoffs? Is he the guy's going to win you four rounds? Capitals obviously didn't think so when they left him unprotected in the expansion draft. So, <laughs> yeah, but they traded to get him back. So, <laughs> which was a very economical deal to think that they got him back for less than what they traded Brendan Dillon for. You'd you'd think good asset management would have had Seattle take Dillon and then trade the him uh, yeah. on their own. But hey, boy, did they screw that one up. Yeah, they they were not able to recreate the magic of of the Vegas Golden Knights. But I, I'm seeing the Caps at nine sixteen in the in the playoffs. By the way, in 2018. Good. I'm glad you had. Where where are you looking? I had to like try to hockey take, reference. Good. I tried to take their shots against per game played, less their goals against per game played. To get All right, dumbass. Look yeah. at hockey reference. <laughs> I was on NHL.com as we're going through. All right, you gotta. I gotta follow right. along. Fact check. Right, but, so they're they're uh, you know fairly average uh, playoff goaltending. What is is higher than either of their goalies now? Are you you're, that's all situations? Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's right. But and nine sixteen is a little higher than league average. But uh, the shitty teams that drag down the league average don't make the playoffs. Yep. I bet that 916 is is around pl- the average for playoff teams, if not lower, than, probably lower than the average for the teams that actually make the playoffs. So you go into the playoffs with, you know, quote unquote, league average goaltending, you're going to get waxed. Yep. You, you, you know, it has you have to be looking at like uh, average amongst playoff teams. Uh, probably. And then and again, that's if if you want to just saw a team off at in goal, uh, then you better be able to beat them five on five and special teams, you know, and beat them on volume and, you know, beat them on, uh, I guess, quality shot quality. And right now I don't think the caps are beating too many teams on special teams. Uh, and, you know, whether they can beat some of these teams in volume is an, another question uh, that they might have a little more luck in, but depending on who the team is. Yeah. Uh, quality is not, I mean, you talked about how it felt like the only guy who was really um, catching your eye really to watch was Kuznetsov. And uh, that's because he's the shot quality machine, not necessarily seeing a lot of it when other guys are on the ice. Uh, lots of gritty determined play, I'd say for the capitals. Uh, when the bottom six, which is getting top six minutes, is on the ice. Um, for slight redemption, I will say Braden Holpe had a 9.22 save percentage in the playoffs for 17-18. Yeah. So NHL.com is not totally uh, useless. But uh, that no, is... No, I, I thank you for letting me know that Braden Holpe was good in the 2018 playoffs. <laughs> I, I hadn't, uh, prior to being informed... 
I I was unaware, but now, um, did he make any like key saves at any uh, time? I don't know. Maybe okay. some, Maybe one that someone would call like the save or something like that. Oh, okay. But um, Mark Andre Fleury was nine twenty seven, which is interesting. And there were a good amount of goalies that played at least one series that were up at that at that range. So he was he was very good, but he was not. He was not. He wasn't Kolzig in '98. Yeah, he was not Yaroslav Halak in 2010. Um, but he was Shit. very, very good. That is, that is for sure. Um, and he was also really good when it when it mattered. Uh, he talked, to, I believe, in a recent interview, he talked about one save that he made in Game Five that really stood out to him, um, which helped show the resilience of the team. And unfortunately for me, a lot of the time when I think about Holpe in the playoffs, besides the save, I think about Game 7 against Carolina, because I'm just a bitter person, and that's just how I am. Oh, I think about that Game 7 against the Rangers. So we all have those. <laughs> uh, we all have our memories. Yeah, we do, but... You know I'm glad saying? you could bring us down at the end of this. Well, as we as were just we, talking about as we just Holpe said, winning the Cup, and there, you have to... That's still there, John. The banner still flies for Brad yeah, Holpe. Yeah. I, I think... His banner is probably just done flying for the Washington Capitals, and I think that's probably how it should be. Um, yep. But let's wrap this bad boy up. Um, I had a lot of fun having you on, John. It's been a long time, and uh, I look My forward pleasure. To, to getting back Always. together. Um, John, everyone knows where to find your stuff. They got to read your yep. piece on Thursday. You know, get yep. some of that self pain about how many goals Ovi's missing out on, and and then make sure you cite back to John's piece that's going to drop this week if Ovechkin is not able to beat Gretzky by about, <laughs> you know if, if he finishes by five goals short. short. Yeah, yeah, just just know this is why John right. talked about blame, it right here. You can blame Blaine Forsyth. Yeah, Blaine Forsyth, and uh, yeah, the, he uh, might not be long long tenured. I, I think he's going to make it to the end of the season, but yeah. I think so. We'll see. Uh, on behalf of myself and John Press, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Japers Rink Radio. I uh, hope you guys will come back and listen to us soon.